Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. We're Mavs Sports Take here, episode 26, your weekly podcast for sports, business, and much more. 2020 and 2021, we have had a lot of folks having to be creative to make ends meet, but here tonight, we are going to interview uh, an, an innovator and a longtime NFL quarterback, Josh Johnson. Josh will be on with us in a few minutes. He has now worked with 15 NFL teams and or NFL players to launch the Ultimate Gaming League, which is a developmental league for gamers who are trying to break into the professional gaming ranks to come and hone their skills while gaining some followers and earning some cash along the way. That is going to be our first take. Until Josh is with us tonight, we're going to talk about, of course, today started the 2021 Senior Bowl, Reese's Senior Bowl. And we got some uh, we got some practice time today, obviously, but we really want to get into some of the measurables. I feel like measurements are thrown out there a lot, but why are there thresholds? What thresholds are we trying to hit at each position? We're going to hit on some of the guys that really stood out to us. Of course, I am Ryan Roberts, joined by David Turner. David, it's always fun, Senior Bowl week, right? This is like one of the weeks of the year in the scouting world, in the NFL draft world that I get super excited about. little different this year, though. How are we feeling about this start to Senior Bowl week, and how weird does it feel just knowing that, like, there's limited attendance, this is the only, this is the only major uh, draft event during the season with the combine being canceled? Like, what is the general feeling around the Senior Bowl this year for you? You know, not being down there is weird for me because, you know, I got to stay home with the ankle. I can't get down there and do everything. But what's really crazy is that when I looked at the stands on uh, NFL Network and on the practice film, it was like empty. You know, it was just like nobody was there. It was so strange because you're used to seeing packed house college football you know elites down there like nick saban and and um you know you would imagine like urban meyer and all them would have been down there and it's just kind of crazy that when you look in the stands it's just like nobody there it's an empty stadium you know you don't see uh friends and stuff walking around and I don't know. We'll see how practice film comes in and how the week goes along. And with weather today, I know it, it threw a little monkey wrench into, the, I think, the second practice toward the end of it. So, you know, uh, we'll see how that they handle and adjust to all that. But kudos to Jim Nagy for getting it off and getting it running. And, you know, everybody and all the kids down there that pet tested negative and everything for COVID walking in the door, you know, kudos to them to being committed to the process and showing their maturity to be ready for the opportunity and not walking in and flunking a, a COVID test or something and doing something that would jeopardize this chance for them. So I want to give kudos to them right off the bat. And then, you know, as you talked about getting some of these measurables today and, and starting to digest 
the numbers, as I like to call it. It's been kind of a fun day for me to, to see all that. Absolutely. And I know we are very interactive here at Mav Sports Takes. So we have some viewers in here right now. We are live now on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. So send questions through, through the channel. We would love to answer anything and everything. We know that there is a lot of uncertainty now. And what makes this so cool with the Senior Bowl week still happening is the draft process is a big resume builder, right? Like you're trying to mark off as many boxes. You're trying to get that, that experience list as long as possible. And we are have a limited opportunity for a lot of kids this year. So we're really excited to talk Senior Bowl. Thank you all for joining us, especially our live uh, participants on here. And before we do, I want to just remind you, Maverick Sports Consulting, we would like to ask you to follow, subscribe, and take the chance to interact with us on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and other social media platforms. We are a company that is all about helping maximize your opportunities in front of you and your career. The only way we can support you is if we hear from you. Your takeaway from tonight's show should be that if you're interested with us, we will find a way to help you in your career path. Reach out and we could do a MAV episode of your topic or we could circle back with you to help you with some individualized attention. Don't wait. Reach out today at MAV underscore sports on Twitter and on all social media platforms. Of course, we are powered here. For the, from the NFL Draft Bible side of everything, I'm the director of scout for people that don't know. For the NFL Draft Bible side of everything, we are powered by Sports Illustrated. Top left-hand corner of this video. Right-hand corner, if you are watching the video, I just realized that because I don't have good directions. So, powered by Sports Illustrated. And we are excited to get into some of these measurables before we get Mr. Josh Johnson on tonight to talk about his business venture. So, David, some of these are crazy. How we want to do this is we're just going to work through some measurables that stood out for us, what to make of them, what thresholds we're trying to hit, a lot of great stuff. And uh, we really just want to make sense of the landscape this year. And a shout out to Alex Gilstrap, who is in the chat with us. Alex, what up, my man? If you've had a chance to look at the measurements, biggest winner today. I think there's a lot of winners, Alex, and we're going to get to a few of them. A uh, guy that is actually a good friend of the show. I actually shot him a message, David, yesterday. Before the, the festivities today, just wishing them luck. Represent Northern Iowa. Of course, I'm talking about Spencer Brown, offensive tackle. Wanted to kick it off with him because he's been a guy that, as you know, and everybody knows, I've been hyping up for a while now. I, I'm a big believer in the young man. And you got the fan card. You got. You might even have the president's fan card, even above I, his mother. And I'm, I'm going to hold that, man. I'm going to hold it because I'm telling you, my man weighed in today. If you haven't checked him out, check out Northern Iowa from last year. 6084. For you all, that's to the eighth of an inch. So it's six foot eight and four eighths. So six foot eight and a half, 314 pounds. He also had an 82 and three eighth inch wingspan. 34 inch arms is solid. Not as high as I actually thought. I thought it was going to be closer to 35, but then he had 10 and three, three eighths inch hands. So we are looking at that height is well above the threshold. Those hands are very massive. David, let's talk about how impressive this young man is on the hoof. Obviously, that that height is the thing that I think is going to stand out for most people. Yeah, the height's definitely going to pop people's eyes balls out, you know, looking like a cartoon figure where they're going to come out of the socket and go, what? <laughs> um, but don't underestimate that 82-inch, uh, you know, wingspan, too. That's pretty dang impressive. And, you know, with 314 pounds, I'm sure he probably looks slender. Um, and what well, was six foot eight, you can put a little weight on him. Obviously there's enough weight, uh, to be put on that, that frame being six foot eight. 
big pause at uh, 10 and 3 eighths hand. And again, you got those 34 inch arms with to go along with that long body. So, you know, for, for a scout, when you see this, you, you really want to digest this film and the biggest, uh, you know, you want to give him his kudos, but the biggest question mark, two question marks that would come to my mind are pad level and anchor. So, you know, how is he going to handle this week? Is it, is he going to pop straight up with his pad level or is he going to be able to sink his hips and keep a good pad level, not only in pass blocking, but in run blocking, being so tall and angular? Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is when he does get a power rush, will he be able to sit down in a chair and, and stifle it? And, you know, or is he going to give you know be so tall he's giving up uh, inside position and you know not able to bend? as we talked about all the way through Friday night scout school is you're not going to have that bend to anchor and stifle a pass rusher. And it will be great because there's some great pass rushers in this game that we'll see. And there's a few power rushers that um, we'll see in this game to test him. So he has a chance that not only did his measurables catch the attention, but now, now he can come out and show the tools in this game to, you know, answer these questions on the one-on-ones and throughout the week in practice. Yeah, and I, I will say about uh, about Spencer, he's been working out in San Fran, actually, with Dylan Radins and Joe Staley out there out west. So he's been working with, a, obviously, a great offensive lineman. And good segue here, David. I'm the best at segues. We actually have Josh Johnson popping on with us now, who is a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers of National Football League. He played college football at San Diego and was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the fifth round of the 2008 NFL draft. He has played for 16 professional football teams across four leagues during his professional career. So he has seen the game of football from multiple angles. But tonight we're going to take it from a different angle. We're going to be talking with him about his his him being one of the founding investors in the Ultimate Gaming League. Josh, welcoming you to the show, man. We appreciate you. First time on Mav Sports Takes. How, how's everything going for you, man? Uh, it's going well, fellas. Just finished working out, getting his offseason. Well, not offseason. <laughs> getting ready for the season, I should say. Getting it right. going. And, you know, doing uh, UGL stuff during the day. Got a busy, pretty busy schedule. So just happy to be here. Thanks for, you know, guys inviting me on the show. And uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, Josh, I think that's a perfect way to get into it. You're talking about, you know, how you're already preparing for the UGL, the Ultimate Gaming League. So take us through just for the general people that might not have too much information about it. What is this project exactly? And where did this passion to develop this project kind of come from for you? Um, well, the passion came since I was born, man. I've been playing video games since Atari. Like, uh, <laughs> I've, I've grown with it. My mom worked at Toys R Us. So I had that luxury of always being ahead of the curve. She she got discounts on all the games because she had such a long time with the company until they actually went bankrupt and closed the one out here in Oakland that, that she worked at. And so that that pretty much has been a long time passion, but it was always just consumer habits. And uh, as as the gaming industry has evolved, you know, I've, I've always been with it. And, you know, things that people would make fun of me for, bringing my PlayStation on the road and looking for Wi-Fi and hooking it up to every hotel I go to and playing the video game whenever we traveling instead of want to go outside sometimes and party and have a good time. You know, now that's kind of like the norm. So this is like the way of the world for me. But actually, just take that same, like, as I got in the NFL, one thing that was big for me was just doing things off the field that I have a true passion for, just like football, things that I wake up without an alarm clock for, things that I actually, you know, 
where I invest my time, do the good and the bad for it, just like football. And so end up finding uh, my partners, Brad and Chuck. They both from Oakland. Uh, they reached out to me by throwing, you know, in-person tournaments. And we started that at a bar, local bar for adults called Halftime Sports Bar. And then for the youth, we uh, partnered with Soldier Town, which is like a local, local mega gymnasium. And we would have a youth lounge. And uh, once COVID happened, you know, all that had to transition to online. And so we naturally transitioned to online. And we would throw our pros versus Joe's tournaments, one-off events. And we did like digital hangouts with people in the music industry. And then uh, from there, uh, we found a few partners through our, our agency, uh, created this concept with uh, franchises and having a, a esports league. But we're really not esports because we can't really be on the level that those guys do it because we don't have the time you know, or the bandwidth to really sit there and crack the AI and defeat the game like these, like the professionals do. So, we, you know, we created a lifestyle concept, which is pretty much what the UGL is, and we'll have the league. And then we'll also produce a lot of content for everyone involved, even even the people who are actually not players in the league. So that's pretty much what our models are focused on, the competition as well as a good time, which for most of us who was born in the 80s, that's what gaming was. It was a good time. Like, we competed, but it was also a good time. So we're just trying to make it all one big happy, happy time, like – same way as going to a football game. Not everybody is a crazy fan. Some people just want to be there to drink beer and listen to the music and and see the halftime show. So like we're gonna try to involve all those elements into one. And I'm you know, I'm just happy to be a part of this process and have the guys partner that's partnered up with us. Now, talking about that, Josh, I mean, I I'm not an eighties baby. I'm a seventies guy, so I'm a little oh, bit more <laughs> more patina on me. And Ryan, he's on the other end. He's like in the nineties, so he's got 90, the other side. We got a mix. We got a mix. We got got three decades covered here. Uh, But, you know, I grew up again when, like you said, Atari was Space Invaders and stuff and Pac-Man and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's where I got it. And then, uh, you know, I was into the first Maddens and all that stuff. I grew up with all that. And, you know, I I was really interested this year uh, on one of our takes, um, one of our episodes, we had the Y2K Warriors uh, head coach, Mm -hmm. one of their star players on to talk about now how it's just blown up and especially in the COVID area, the fandom has just gotten really incredibly, uh, you know, dedicated to them because a lot of people are at home and having to find ways to do things from home. But how easy was it to get other players and partners of yours uh, and, you know, uh, folks from, from the league invested in this project once you started rolling and attracting uh, more investors here? Um, Just from the standpoint of our credit to our team of being real organizing really going through a lot of great art R&D, a lot of hours of just finding out the right way that makes sense to what we do and, and our fans and people that, you know, come from the football community. Um, but it was really just finding the guys that have, a, a you know, a similar passion. And, you know, with the guys that we have, all these guys have the same similar passion because they understand, you know, that right now, it won't, it won't be what it'll be in the next few years if we all stay dedicated to the process. And it's real similar for us because we do this for football. Like, it's real similar what we do for football. We invest a lot of time. We've invested, most people invest 22, 18 years. I mean, not 18 years. You play, some people play from six to 18 where you have to pay to play. And then you go to college where you obviously now you're getting getting a free education and then you, then you have the opportunity to get paid. So when you find guys that are like-minded, that process was easy. 
uh, the organizing of it was a long process, but that's like any startup. But I mean, where we are now, we're in a good position to really, you know, take this thing to another level. And Josh, so so the the large scope of it, because, you know, you talked about, you know, you can't really compete with the professional guys because that's like all they do, right? Like you're the lifestyle look, you have the outlook that way. What is the growth potential for it? And what are like, are there some goals, long longer term goals that you have to, to kind of forecast to how big this potential could get? I mean, the growth potential is tremendous because, I mean, everyone involved has their own brand. They've built, you know, being a part of NFL, you naturally have the ability to establish your own brand. And then by doing things organically, you know, people connect with that. And if they, you know, they see that you have a true passion for it. So, I mean, on the on the esports side, I would say the league side is really us being owners and, and kind of playing the role that the owners play for us in the, in the National Football League and really sharing that opportunity with people who are influencers or up-and-coming gamers or up-and-coming streamers and really creating a platform for them to go out there and showcase their skills and we celebrate that. And then, we you know, we share whatever comes in together, however that works. And then the same thing on the content side, all of us, most players, that's what we naturally do. We, we use our influence to create content. We, we, we influence people who follow us to read books, uh, go out and serve your community, tell them, let them know about different products. So it's just really, that's kind of what this whole streaming gaming world is kind of what I see out on the lifestyle side. You know, it's like a new form of media and connecting with your audience and it's real time. It's not like a, it's not like something where even for us as players, where they get, they got to watch us in the stadium or whatnot and don't really get to, to really get to engage us. But like being in discord, you know, you could do so much in the discord world where you could really engage with people and just having that experience. I think that, that, that within itself is going to be a unique experience, not for us, but just the fans alike. And then with our model, it just won't be football players. Like we just, the, you know, the founding fathers of this, but uh, like for, for us to really find more diversity, to get a new, when we open up new franchises and have, you know, women involved or, or, or young or younger girls and have gamers, real professional gamers involved and get people from other genres, whether it be basketball or music or just that's to me the long term vision that makes it really even more scalable because like gaming, you don't have to retire. Professional athletes, we eventually got to <laughs> retire. But you don't got to retire from games. Father time what catches about, up with all the athletes is what, that's what Willie Brain used to say. <laughs> Willie Brown used to say. Well, what about arthritis? That might slow you down a little bit. I don't know. Just, uh, I mean, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard people, you know, talk about that. But there's elements where we as football players, I mean, that's like recovery from a game. You know, you get tendonitis and things, but you know how to, you know how to roll that out. You know how to do the little the little hand exercises, the little stretches, all those little things that we learn in football. Me being a quarterback, especially because I'm a thrower, I do the same thing when I game. You know, because like if I'm if I'm if I'm in the lab grinding for you know sometimes you know I'll see you have one of those long days where you be playing for 15 plus hours. <laughs> you got to stretch it out. You got to roll it out, and you know go see a chiropractor. But these are the things as players we could teach the gaming community. Like we got we have to balance lifestyle and gaming you know having a healthy lifestyle fitness like that's big for me and also being a parent that's what i'm trying to you know encourage more parents to understand that there's a lot more that can go in this than just kids than your kid just yelling at the game like now hell your kid can get a scholarship for this your kid can start their own business they can they can have a career off this to me that's no different than you investing in them to play AAU sports 
You know, yeah. it's just providing the right resources, providing the right partners, you know, and creating that, that, that environment that, you know, encompasses all these possibilities. So I think we naturally as football players already have to do that. And we share that, but we never, we haven't really shared that yet in the game side. So that's what we bring to the table. You know what I love about that, Josh? It's like, some, like you just said it, like when you've been playing video games since you were a little kid, like this isn't something that's just proprietary to younger kids, right? Like, I, I mean, I would, I would love to play some video games, you know, yeah. I'll play some video games like this kind of, I think really can strike a good moment for a lot of people just from like even older crowd. Like it's a nostalgia, right? Like you're thinking sure. back when you played and then you're also appealing to younger kids. So I feel like it hits kind of every age group a little bit, you know? Oh no, for sure. It's the one industry that, I mean, football does a great job of that. And you see how they just added the Nickelodeon broadcast. That was like, that was, that was, that was, that was awesome. Was, yeah, that that was was awesome. It was spot on. But like, that was the first time, that I got all my kids to engage with football the way that they did that day. But when gaming, outside of my three-year-old, now my three-year-old wants to play the Astro game on PS5 all day long. He loves <laughs> that game. But, like, my 12-year-old and my 9-year-old, the best times we have with each other is on the party, playing 2K, playing they love Fortnite too, which I got to play sometimes. Not a big on Fortnite that shit. Like yeah, I'm not on big on Fortnite either. My my I'm, six my my older kids like that, and I'm like, nah, let's let's do Mario Kart. Like, let's yeah. just let's get into I'm Mario right. Kart. I can do that one for sure. Like, we got we got the, we got the Nintendo queue for the Mario Kart though. They like that, but like uh, for me, I think like the Fortnite. The only problem with Fortnite is simple. Like, I like I'm like GoldenEye. That was like the best shooter. You can come right back after you die. Like this whole wait for ten minutes, watching everybody play. I just don't. I ain't grasped that concept. Like I didn't want to join the military. I wanted to play a video game where I could run around and shoot. I don't want to like have to wait and watch everybody else and hide in the mountains and snipe all day. I want to run around and you know shoot them up, bang bang. That's what yeah. the game is for. <laughs> I, I hear you on that. I feel you. Now with the UGL, now what what's the upcoming schedule that? Uh, people out there our listeners should be uh investing in and knowing putting on their calendars uh, i i think you have like some kind of tryouts and different things going on right now yeah we had a qualifiers going on right now i think round one round two just started uh it was it i believe last night and uh no i'm sorry this morning my bad i'm not ahead of gaming ops there's a lot going on <laughs> but uh pretty much the qualifiers are swiss style tournaments over the uh four four games we're starting the seasons off with uh, 2K, Madden, FIFA, and COD, and pretty much uh, just recruited people who gave anybody the opportunity, even younger kids with parents' approval to come compete. You know, win some HyperX product, uh, win a potential cash prize, and uh, how it works is uh, we'll have a leaderboard, and after after all the rounds, we'll have a, you know the leaders, the, the franchise owners will get the leaderboards, and once we do our draft, we'll start picking people from the draft, and uh, we even may. Uh, because because it's still growing, we don't want to not shut anybody out. We'll probably do like an undrafted free agent type pool for people who want to get in on the last minute. And you know, you can find gems in the undrafted free agent pool. And so, like that's that's pretty much what we're doing right now. We'll have the draft, and we'll kick the season off. And then uh, the owners themselves, we do what we call team streams. Where we come on, we get together, you know, m once a month as the whole team. Then the guys stream on their own. And then uh, also we'll be a part of the UGL produced content that 
surrounds the league. And then they can always get in whenever they want to and do whatever they want with their team. So there's there's opportunities for the guys to to be owners and there's opportunity for the guys to really get in and get dirty on the game. So that's the uniqueness about how we structured it. And most of the guys, you know, they enjoy it right now. Well, who you, you've talked about other owners and stuff. Who are some? I know when we did our research, uh, getting ready for this uh, this segment, we saw that there were like fifteen other, or fifteen NFL players that are owners and and taking advantage of this opportunity. Who are some of the other owners, and and uh, what were the, What was their motivation to become owners in this league? Uh, Ocho Cinco, Marshawn, Marcus, Marcus Peters, uh, Max Crosby, Sidney Jones. Preston Williams, Avante Maddox, Rashad Higgins, Josh Jacobs, Kenny Clark, uh, Darius Slade, Desmond King. Uh, we have we have one gamer on our team because he's from Oakland, and my team, our team is pretty much Oakland based right now. Uh, Bam Samuels, Bam Schemey, a big Madden player, played made all the way to the Madden uh, MCS finals or quarterfinals, I believe. Uh, so, uh, and I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. I don't know if I named everybody, but I think I may have or may not. But we live anyway. So if I did <laughs> miss anybody, sorry about that. But you can always go on UGL World and find all the players. And really the motivation was these guys game. Hmm. Like a couple of these guys participated in our Pros vs. Joe's events. Obviously, Marcus and Marshawn is my cousins. Uh, Bam is a Madden player. A couple of guys participated in our Call of Duty death match we just had in December. And they just have a genuine passion for this. So it's just, you know, we built something together that has some structure, that has some understanding and respectability that we are still football players first. And this is that is our main priority. But it's also giving the platform and opportunity to a lot of other people that don't that may not have that. And it's and maybe they may not be the best gamer, but you don't have to be where we're doing it. You can just come in and get down and see where it takes you. And if you know, you, you might be a great content creator. You might be a great host. We don't really know, but this gives everyone that opportunity to kind of find their niche in this space. And that's just really what football does. Like, a lot of people play football and then they pivot to other careers that are that help represent the game. Like, what you guys are doing is another version of a part of the career that people can pivot easily off to trainers. So it's just the same thing to me. I kind of conceptualize it all the same, honestly. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, Josh, I, I was honestly pretty impressed with just naming all those names off the top of your head, man. I could not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud well, you for that. It's funny. I got a connection to, to Josh here that he doesn't even know about. But when uh, Marcus was coming out of college in uh, – he was uh, going through his draft prep. I was the guy who did his draft prep for him to help him with uh, answering all those questions about what happened at Washington and everything. Is so, that right? Yeah, I was his guy because I was a personnel guy in the league forever, and then he needed some help on that. So I sat with him while he was at XO's training and and did his uh, did his draft prep interview prep uh, stuff for him. So. Oh, so you got him right. You got him right there. <laughs> I just tried to teach him that he wasn't Marshawn, and so some of the answers he wanted weren't really going to work for him. Oh, yeah. You know, Marcus <laughs> want to keep it real. Yeah, we, we, we real. let him tell the story real, but <laughs> tempered, tempered, tempered. Uh, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all. I loved him. I, I honestly, once we got past and we, we found that connection, because I'm from the Bay, too. This um, part. Conquered. I grew up, went to Del Sal and uh, graduated uh, you, from San Francisco. Uh, State, you, went so. to the, you went to the big fish. 
<laughs> I, I'm five foot four, so I didn't really play. I was on the team, but you know, I was just on the team. So, <laughs> oh, no, so you get it, man. But no, I'm I'm genuinely happy for Mark, man. Like just to see his growth and everything, and he does not get the respect that he deserves. But I think that's just because he's just too he's too raw, Oakland. You know, everybody can't really handle that unless you're from the Bay. You got to understand it to really get it. But at the end of the day, like I always tell him, man, when it's all said and done, your numbers are going to speak for themselves. And, <laughs> and they just keep stacking up these interceptions. So, And the playoffs were amazing for him, too. Oh, uh, yeah. So, it just I mean, you know, he's just running his race. He's I mean, he's, he's, he's exceeded, like, our expectations by far. Just signed a, a huge contract, which I'm happy for him and his family. Just everything that he had to overcome to really get to that point. And he's with a perfect organization. Me playing for Jim and then going to John for a little bit. Um, I'm like a second adopted son of the Harbaugh family, so I think he fits in well with them. So he I'm does, and Wink, he, he fits right with Wink and Wink's personality. And mm-hmm. and I, oh, Wink and I were in Oakland together at the Raiders, so knowing that he was there, is just, it, it's, it's perfect, like you it's said. Per- for perfect for him. Yeah. Things happen for a reason, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, and like you said, the, the numbers speak for themselves. I'm pretty sure he's up to like 40 interceptions regular season. He's not done. Already. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's still a younger guy. So, I mean, he's got a ton more time. I kind of want to steer us back, Josh, because we want to get you out of here in a second. I want to just kind of, for the people out there that are just finding about the UGL League for the first time and want to get involved in some capacity, whether that is as a player or, or whatever it is, just a spectator, like how do they – get involved, where are they going to sign up, how often are sign-ups, like what does that process look like? Um, the recruitment, because we, we have a tech partner called Interis, and pretty much they recruit the army of influencers. And uh, you can go to uglworld.com, and that'll pretty much, you'll see all four of the franchises there. All four of the franchises have their own separate web pages, and but UGL World centralizes everything. And then obviously you can follow UGL World on Instagram or Twitter. And even Facebook, but Instagram would probably be the best platform right now to get all the information you need. And the four franchises are Defam Gaming, um, Four Brothers Glitch Gaming, with, and they spell it G L I T X T X H. And then it's a Ocho Cinco Gaming or OG Gaming. And so you can find, you can follow any of those platforms, and it'll pretty much direct you to everywhere you need to. The community is uh, living on Discord. And as we speak, I keep getting all these notifications from these notifiers right now, from these qualifiers. But uh, everyone's welcome. Just come in, you know, get in. I, I see people when I pop in on the Discord just teaming up to play the games. We've had a community night. We've had people just share their streams. You know, they just became affiliate. They're looking for more people to follow them. I followed a few people. So we're just building like a nucleus and then just hoping to grow it out. Uh, there's no limitations on it. Just come in and be respectful. Have a good time, you know, and come be a part of what we got going. Now, I know you have a, a charity that's out there in the Bay and uh, different things. We want to give you, you know, your time to talk about whatever you want to at this part in the show. Uh, bring it to the table and let our viewers know uh, how, how you know, what Josh Johnson's up to outside of football and outside of the UGL. What are some other things that you bring to the community and that is a focus of you uh, in your life? Well, Fan First Family Foundation, I would like to use, say that's like our baby. That's like, that's, that's what helped us become men. And it started with Marshawn, uh, just wanted to throw a football camp. And none of us looked at it as like we were role models. We was just kids from Oakland that we felt like got lucky. 
and we made it through the cracks because, I mean, we didn't ever feel like we were the best players, but we were just the ones that stayed, you know, focused through all these these different tests that Oakland would throw at you, trying to make it out. And so that was our way of kind of bringing our community and giving back. And then, you know, we saw the impact we would have on younger kids and even adults just coming together at that point in time of 2007. And then uh, from there, you know, it evolved. It evolved to us throwing football camps in Seattle to Hawaii to Ottawa, Canada to London to Australia to Brazil. Now in Oakland, we have a youth center, and uh, anybody can be a part of our youth center. Uh, if you have a you have a kid that want to pick up different trades, we have an architect program, we have a youth of business program, we have a music program, we have a coding program, uh, we have a cooking class. Obviously, we do physical ed. Uh, right now, we have to kind of do it remotely, which I think sucks because all the kids got to they on Zoom all day, so we got to kind of find that balance there. But we got to be able to do something. But uh, looking forward to just having a youth center. We do a summer program that's free for all our kids. I mean, parents just have to donate snacks. Uh, we take them camping. We take them on field trips every Friday. Uh, we partner with different bus companies around the Bay Area, and we pretty much that's like that's the that's the that's the foundation of what we do with everything. Like we realize like nobody we don't really know especially when you come from where we come from, you don't really know what you're capable of until you know what it takes to get there. And so for us, it's trying to like really provide those resources as much as we can from whatever it be an endorsement deal or just a conversation to be able to share that with our community and just really empower people to say like, if you actually take on these different trades, who knows what you can make in your life? Cause that's really what we did. We just, we just try to take that hustle, that passion, that open, that grit, that open teach you and just, Really use that stuff towards positive things and just encourage that to everybody, whether you're black, white, brown, whoever you look like. As long as you, you know, about that action, like Sean say, you know, you come tap in with us and, you know, there's a place for you. And like, that's really the same thing that UGL is. Beast Mode, the clothing line represents that. I have the Family First clothing line, which I partner with Family First Milano. So those are pretty much my three, in, you know, ventures outside of football. And they all have the same models, though. Like, you know, how can we, you know, do good business and put people on in the process? Show show people different things about themselves that they may not have knew they had a strength in and really just allow everyone to grow together. And so far, it's been working for us. So we're just going to keep going with this model and see what happens. Well, I think that's a great way to end this interview. Josh, we really appreciate you again so much for Taking some time with us again, we got Mr. Josh Johnson, who is professional quarterback and founding investor of the Ultimate Gaming League. I would applaud you all to go take a look at some of the stuff that Josh is doing behind the scenes, off the football field, outstanding stuff. We really appreciate you for taking some time with us tonight, Josh. All right, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon, buddy. All right, y'all take care. You too. Well, David, that was fantastic, man. That was yeah. that was cool, man. That was really cool. I like that how it wasn't ju- like the gaming side of everything, the Ultimate Gaming League. That's awesome. Like when I was doing my research for it, I was like, this is really cool stuff. The founding investors he has, the fifteen uh, NFL players, like former NFL players that they have heading this league. That's awesome stuff. But just hearing the brotherhood and the kind of the the reason why this is a thing, you know, it's not just business. Like there is so many good reasons why he is doing so many of the things that he is off the fields. 
Yes, and you know anybody who knows his cousins, they're 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 very they're all cut from a similar cloth, and that's why it works too that they partner and do things together. Um, you know, because uh, coming from Oakland, where they come from, they're they you know like he said, there's not a lot of positive people. They're, they're you know or circumstances, I should say. There's great people, but there's not a lot of positive circumstances. So for them to be giving back this way and doing it in this manner and trying, like you you heard his youth center, it's not only coding and technical stuff, but it's cooking class is to eat more nutritionally you know sound it's different ways to it's different ways to uh give back to the community in whatever way the community wants to receive it it's not like they're dictating to them one way which is sports only but it's food it's coding it's architecture and trades and you know all sorts of things i was like okay if you if you want an art class they would go do an art class. If you want to do a dancing class, I'm sure these guys would find a way for it to be a dance class there. So, you know, again, it's, it's just the way they're, they're wired. And I, I've known the family for a while. It's been great. And uh, having Josh on is just, it's just great to, to see him do all this stuff and, and um, contribute back to the, the communities while still trying to play football and still trying to do these outside ventures. And so that, that 20 minutes or so, whatever he gave us tonight was very kind, very, very friendly of him to be on for. So thank you, Josh, again. Thank you, Lisa and Keon for putting it together and, and getting them on for us because we really appreciate you all for pulling that off for us. Absolutely. And if you are listening to us live and you just popped in here, we're talking, we're recapping our interview with Josh Johnson. So you should check out any podcast platform that you have and Mav Sports Take. Check it out. It's awesome stuff. <laughs> Shout out to Dan Cassidy in the in the uh in the chat with us. Pretty cool stuff. Interesting dude. Appreciate you, Dan, for always supporting and being with us. Uh, really do appreciate it. So we want to kind of pivot back to the measurables that really stood out to us at the senior bowl weigh-in today. Before we do, we want to let you know Maverick Sports Consulting is here to help organizations build the best teams available to them. We consult not just sports organizations, but also colleges, private businesses, and organizations that would like an expert in the area of team building. Mavericks is happy to help you build up a team around you that will support a strong culture of growth around your idea and products. We would like to put our 19 years of experience of team and culture building to use for you and your company today. Don't wait. Sign up today at mavericksportsconsulting.com. So, David, want to move on. We talked about Spencer Brown earlier in the show. Want to keep it to the offensive line family here. Deontay Brown. So, one thing that I think we need to talk about is sometimes guys impress, right? And you look at them on the hoof and you're like, wow, this is a great beginning of the week. That guy looks the part. And then there's sometimes where you see some of these measurements or some of the body types, and you're like, "Why?" Uh, and and it, it makes you a little worried. <laughs> Why? It makes you a little worried, to be honest. Why? I like how that came out. Why? Well, I, I mean, I don't want to ding Deontay because Deontay is a good football player from Alabama. You know, just had a tremendous career. But my man showed up today, six zero three two, so six three and two eighth inches. Had 32 and 3 8 inch arms. He's an interior offensive lineman, so we're not worrying as much about arm length. 80 and 6 8 inch wingspan. My man showed up, David, at 364 pounds. And I know it went viral during the playoff run there, right, where they said he looked like Blastoise from Pokemon, right? Just like all shell, big dude. David, you have to look at me because I'm, I'm showing you what he looked like. You're not looking <laughs> at it. <laughs> so... Went viral. I, I have to tell you, though, there is uh, – and this is 
seriousness for a second, okay? It's it's funny, but this is serious. Why are you 364? Why? You don't need to be 364. There's no reason for him to be 364 pounds. It's well, not only a, six it's not three. A, what, what? What? What do you say? Well, I'm what? saying he's only six three. Right. right. So, so I mean, you're, it's not like you're six eight, like we were talking about. Right. You know, Spencer Brown, um, yeah. who could, uh, three sixty might have been able to have the frame to distribute that, distribute that across the frame. But this guy is only right. He's only six foot three and three sixty. So it's like, wow, man, that's a, whew, that's a lot of weight on a on a short on a shorter dude. Yeah. So I mean, you're not even six four, six five. You're six three, and you're carrying a lot of weight. It's and yeah, we're gonna talk about somebody that's similar size, but they're like four inches taller. Why are you three hundred sixty four pounds, man? I don't, I don't think it's good, David. Because honestly, on his film, I'm like laterally doesn't look great. Second level doesn't always get there. Like he is a super physical dude. He can combo to you know pretty well. He is in a dry block situation. Like he can overwhelm dudes. But what what is three sixty four doing for you? Like no, why? No. Why are you? Why are you? Why aren't you three forty or three forty five? Like why aren't yeah. you? And, and again, you're seeing a guy whose wingspan is under 81 for an offensive lineman. That's a little on the shorter end for sure. And 32 and 3 eighths arm, arm is again shorter for any on interior lineman. It's pr- it's pretty good for a a center. At right. six three, like if he was six three and three thirty and thirty two inch arms and nine and, a, and eight hand like he has, that actually is pretty good measurements for a center. But for a guard, you know, you want to be in the three twenty, three thirty, max out three forty range. So this is a player like you said. You got to come in and like, what have you been doing since the game all season? And also, how motivated are you to get to the 330 mark? But this is where the NFL combine actually hurts a player like this because with an NFL combine, he could go into senior bowl week and six weeks from now might be combine and he would be told, hey, you need to lose some weight. We need to see by combine and then by your pro day, you know, having two more weigh-ins, you being motivated to lose the weight so then we can draft you. And a kid would be able to go to combine drop 10 or 12 pounds and then mm-hmm. go to his pro day and drop another 10 or 12 pounds and now he'd be down in the 340 mark and showing teams okay you had a problem at senior bowl with my weight i've lost 20 30 pounds now you know in in a couple months which for a big dude is you know that bmi that's something he can do and right. you could say hey i've lost the weight i'm serious about playing football at the next level but without an nfl combine and and not knowing what the pro day circuit's going to look like this hurts him with his ability to show he's got the 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 ability or the will, wherewithal to lose the weight and be committed to becoming a a better football player with that and that's a great point cuz solomon kinley who is a starting guard now for the miami dolphins was a rookie this year he was early on in the draft process last year. He was up around 360, I was told by his agent. Okay. And by the combine, he was down to 337. So that's what you're kind of talking about that progression to get down and wait. And that shows, like, hey, something clicked. It, like, and maybe it took his agent getting on his butt or it took somebody else to get on his butt and advise or whatever it is. But eventually, it clicked with him, and he's like, you know what? I need, I need to do this. Well, the agent probably told him, and then the NFL guys at games like this or all-star games or in the process said, hey, man, you're just too heavy. We we don't play right. with linemen you're that heavy, and you're going to, A, uh, 
you're going to lose our interest, whatever team that is, or other interests of players and schemes like us if you can't lose the weight. Because even the great, you know, Larry Allen, who was a, an incredible offensive lineman and one of the bigger guys I've ever watched play as a guard, he was maxed out at 340. I don't think I ever saw Larry over 340. You know what I mean? Um, so, again, it's just a situation where this year's process will limit players like this to improve their draft stock solely because they don't have the chance to weigh in three, four times for NFL teams. And it's also um, so many great points. And I will say also the last part of this, and I'm not trying to, because Deontay Brown has some talent. Like he really does. I'm not trying to say that he's like this hopeless guy. It just was not a good way in today. I will say power, like he's a gap power guard right now. And that's all he is. Because you're looking at a, t- at a league now that has gone so heavy into inside and outside zone. They're going to look at him and be like, you're a power only guard? Like you're a gap power only guy? Like that's all you can do? Like we don't do that. Most te- A lot of teams don't do that anymore, you know, at this point. So just, you know, Deontay, let's get it down, brother. Let's get it down. You can play. Let's get it down. Let's get it down. Uh, next thing I want to talk about, the adverse 354-pound Ben Cleveland from Georgia who weighed in, David, at 6'6 and 3 eighths and 33-inch arms. So not terrible arm length for an interior offensive lineman. 354 pounds. I will say this, folks. There is a, there is a picture that's circulating on Twitter again. It circulated on Twitter before the season started. Of course, man, it you're a Twitterverse guy. My man is gigantic. gigantic. If you have ever seen the if you ever seen Game of Thrones and you've seen the mountain, this boy is the mountain. Like he is going to be an actor after his play career is over. And I. I, it, this is going to sound weird, but I like to look at him. He's oh, a, my. Okay. It's a good-looking good prospect. Listen, listen. I say go unmuzzled, but let's not get it weird, okay? <laughs> let's not make it weird. I'm all about it's getting unmuzzled, but let's not get it weird here. It's but, no, weird. I mean, it's, all, it's always weird with us. Don't worry about it. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, I haven't seen the photo like you did. But, again, like just a guy ago, we talked about having the frame to fill out 350 well, here's a guy who's three inches, three inches and one eighth taller, and he's taken the 350 mark to a very muscular level. So a question that he'll have to answer, like the first guy, right? The first guy we said, is he tall enough? Can he anchor? This guy, because he is so mount, uh, muscled up, will be, can he move? Is he stiff? Is he rigid? Is he ability? Can he have ability to adjust in the space to hit moving targets? You know, is he able, excuse me, or is he too muscled up, too tight because of all that muscle to really be effective at his position? So that's what I love about senior bowl week and measurements. People are like, what's he talking about? This is the stuff I'm talking about. It's like you, you get the measurements, you digest the numbers, and then you have questions. Okay, well, he looked fantastic today on the hoof. He looked like you said, the mountain from G, uh, GOT. And, uh, and, and you're just like, let's see what he can do on the field. Is he, is he a guy who looks like Tarzan and plays like Jane? Or is he a guy who's just too robotic once he's out on the field? Let's see what he looks like. And, you know, again, this kid, he's all muscled up. He looks fantastic. First guy you want coming off the bus, right? And, and now if he steps on the field and he backs that up with ability to play his position with skill and bend and anchor and move movement skills, now you're improving your draft stock today and this week. 
and you're make you know you're you're climbing. You're one of those risers. You're rising up draft boards. But you know it all starts with the weigh-in. What did you look like? How serious have you taken the end of the season till now to become a professional football player? No longer on scholarship, kids. Like you heard Josh Johnson talk about, you know, the evolution of you know paying to play as a young kid to going to uh, high school and then going to college and getting a scholarship and now moving from that into being a professional. Is how seriously are you taking it early in your career, which is right now? Your your career started. How early in your career are you taking this serious to get ready for these opportunities? And one of the senior bowl is one of the biggest opportunities they can have this early in their career. Mm-hmm. And David, just for you, I put into our private chat, the uh, picture, if you want to go look at it. So oh, good God. You are so, <laughs> you make it, you make it so strange. <laughs> What's not strange is looking at Felipe Frank's throw of football and oh, you, you know, it had yeah, to be in. You it had it? to be him swim in a swimsuit too. Come on, man. I, he's with he's with a pretty girl though, so it's fine. I didn't see that part. I just saw him. <laughs> oh, I, I might have cropped around. And it doesn't matter who he's with. It's just that you had you had him in a swimsuit. So yeah, and you had it cropped where she was knocked out. I think you had yourself superimposed next to him or something. But you know, you know in your you nine know, in your nine one nine gear that you got yesterday. But I got, it, I got the other shirt on in right now. I'm sure you, you never have your map stuff on, but you have nine one nine on all the time. So it's it's in it's in the uh, it's in the hamper, you know. So yeah, uh, every um, week it's in the hamper. So <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, my my, my wife's pregnant, you know. The uh, the it's a little backed up right now. The laundry. So hey, today's Tuesday. Come on, let's go. Pop that bubble. Let's get it going. I have today. Today in the pool. Let's go. Oh, unless something happens in the next uh, couple hours here, David, I think you might be losing that. Tell her to start doing jumping jacks. Get it on. Let's go. <laughs> okay. All right. I ain't got uh, time for this. Funny enough. Funny enough. Felipe Frank's quarterback from Arkansas actually has the same exact height as Ben Cleveland. He measured in at six foot six and three eighths. Also, two hundred and thirty four pounds, and uh, this is no typo. An eighty three inch wingspan. What the thirty three and six eighth inch arms, and a ten inch hand. So this dude is long. <laughs> he's got like he's got like defensive and measurements almost. Like he is long, dude. <laughs> yeah, this is like who's the quarterback that now transferred to tight end Logan? Uh, he was out of Virginia Tech or something a few years ago. Logan now he's Thomas. On, Logan yeah, Thomas. Logan. This yeah, if, if Felipe can't make it as a quarterback, here's here's your next Logan Thomas right here. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny, dude. I'm watching. And it, great point. The first thing I said before we, me and David started the show was. He said, oh, that might be too long of arms, and he does have a long release, so that makes sense. But my man does have a cannon for an arm, so, you know. Well, that, I mean, Logan had a cannon too, but again, when you're going in, again, into measurements, because of the way defensive ends come in to rush and offensive linemen block them upfield, you don't want to have that ball exposed outside the body frame too far so guys can't swipe at it and 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 create fumbles when they're going around the hoop, going around the edge, right? So for a guy like this, a question he'll be answering in 
in this coming week is has he shortened up his release? Has he able to bring it in some so at the next level you don't expose the ball to get tipped out of his hand and he, it becomes a fumble, um, you know, and he can do more with his skill set. I mean, a 10-inch hand's great, obviously, to whip it uh, and, and get velocity. That's awesome. It's that arm length that uh, and being 6'6", being so tall, those two things. I did a study for uh, Mr. Davis one time about quarterbacks over 6'5", making the, and winning Super Bowls versus quarterbacks under six foot five and uh and the the shocking thing to me was at that time over 88 percent of quarterbacks that won the super bowl were under six foot five they were in the six foot four six foot three and three eighths range to six foot four and seven eighths range um and only a handful were over six five so it was it was something that I didn't know before he had me do the study, but that's when we were getting ready to draft Jamarcus Russell. And so this is another situation where you got a quarterback who's very tall and very, uh, very long armed. And how is he going to do it? The, the, the questions he can answer this week is if he shortened up his release point and his, and his footwork is, is sound. Uh, and so you're not a big fan of any uh, Dan McGuire's or Brock Osweiler's, but huh? no six, no six, eight quarterbacks. No not eight. really. No, not that. <laughs> they wouldn't be on my draft board. That's for sure. Well, they shouldn't have been on anybody's draft board, which is why you made a great point, David. Kudos <laughs> to you. Moving on to the next one. David said, we put this in, I put this in the doc and David was like, this is the perfect size across the board for a running back. So Najee. No, this Harris, is ideal. Yeah. Six, one and seven eighths, 230 pounds. 81 inch wingspan, 33 and three eighth inch arms, and 10 foot hands. David, 10 foot hands is a 10 foot, 10 (laughs) foot hand. Yes, biggest hands in history. 10 inch hands. Najee Harris, man, checking boxes. Every box, every box. Like, you know, you want to go back and compare him to Adrian Peterson uh, coming out. I think Adrian Peterson was a little lighter. He was about two, I want to say 225, 222. And uh, I, I mean, his arms were only 32 somethings, not 33s. And the hands were right about the same. So, I mean, this is a guy who ideal numbers all the way up and down, checking all the boxes, as Ryan just said. And in a situation like this, you're just going, wow. Wow, you know, <laughs> like now all you need to know is what what's that forty? Is it a four four seven? Is it a a four five zero? What's that forty? Um, and, and then the boxes are checked and it's done. Like it, just take it home, take it to the house, as they would say. <laughs> you you're gonna get your bag and it's gonna be full. So, yep. Next one we want to highlight is one that I knew was kind of coming, not to this degree, but I knew it was coming. Wyatt Hubert, who is a defensive end out of Kansas State, a guy that I I liked his film a little bit, man. He plays with an outstanding motor, great leverage. Like, there's a lot to like about Wyatt Hubert. He plays with his hair on fire, and he has just that that hand usage at the top of the arc to, you know, even though he doesn't have the greatest bend in the world. We talked about my bias, right, towards these guys, these technicians at defensive end that maybe don't have the traits. But you want to talk about not having the traits. The, okay, so... The height isn't great, 6'2 and 6'8. 265, he's rocked up. He's got 10 and an eighth inch hands, so he's got bigger hands. Here is the troublesome part, okay? This is a guy that's not going to play in space. This is a true defensive end in a four-man front. 30-inch arms and only a 77-inch wingspan. 30-inch arms, David, that, ugh, 
God, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. I knew it was coming, but it still broke my heart. 30-inch arms. That is, I mean, I think that the one kicker from Miami, Borregalis, almost had longer arms than he did. So, <laughs> uh, here's another guy. Uh, you know, the measurements aren't going to be favorable because he's a true defensive end and he's under six three, right? He's two sixty five. So, you know, for for a Gettleman quote here, he's squatty. You know, he's he's squatty because he's short and he's thick. Um, and then the 30-inch arms is just such a detriment. And the 77-inch wingspan is a detriment to him. Uh, though the hands are huge, you know, this is a kid that, I'll be honest, like some teams might look at him this week at fullback um, because those measurements are better for a fullback and catching the ball out of the backfield and being a, a downhill slammer, you know, somebody who's going to come downhill and open up some gaps for people versus – uh, being a guy that can rush the passer on the other end. Because you would imagine a guy like this would be good on special teams. Maybe if he is a fullback, then he can transition to uh, playing defensive end if you get a pinch or put him in a package where you need an extra rusher or something. So, you know, this could be a very versatile player if he can make the adjustment over. Now, I know some people are going to get in the chat and start blowing me up like you're already trying to position move this kid. Well, the numbers are, are telling me he might need a position move to have a career more so than, than anything right now because I can't recall any defensive end ever that I've scouted in 18 years uh, having 30-inch arms. Like I just can't, I can't. I've seen shorter ones. I've seen thicker ones. But those 30-inch arms are just – I mean, I've seen plenty of fullbacks, but I, I cannot remember a defensive end with 30 inch arms. So my, my, my follow-up question would be this. Is there any chance that maybe a team says may, hopefully we can slap a bunch more weight on him and move him inside as a interior situational rusher? Is that no, because it's 30 inch arms. Either like, way, even if he's no, going against yeah. guards and centers. No, because even a guard, a good guard, a starting guard and a starting center are going to be about 33 inch or 32 inch arms. So they're going to win that they're going to win that battle with, you know, getting the arms. And, and again, even if he has hand violence and he has some quickness inside, it, he would lose more matchups than anything because of that. And that's why I'm saying to him, if they're listening, if you're out there and you're, you're hearing me, you might want to just take a couple rests at fullback and just show versatility and be on special teams. So a team kind of like the new England Patriots might be like, you know what? I'm going to take a, I'm going to take this kid maybe in the fifth, sixth round, uh, bring him in and see if his versatility is something I can maximize in our scheme of defense and maybe offense. A, maybe a uh, not Joe Klecko. Joe Klecko was the Giants, right? Dan Klecko. Dan Klecko. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That vein. He played defensive line, and then he moved over to fullback. He was kind of all over the place. So that's right, maybe and a, that's the same mold here. Yeah. Same. Same mold here. So I think it's important to note. Because I think I know people are listening out here and they're saying, why is arm length so like who cares? Right? Like, why does that matter? Right? Playing defensive line. So, especially playing defensive end, working against offensive tackles specifically. What do all those dudes have, man? They have some long arms. If you can, if they get inside on your chest, there is almost no chance for you to recover. When you have some length to those arms, you have some length to yourself, you have the ability to recover. You have the ability to get inside on offensive tackles. Those guys are going to be able to lock you out in a split second. You're not going to be able to gain any leverage on them at all. 
And that's just kind of why the shorter arms hurt you so much. Well, yeah. And like Ryan was saying, 33, you know, you don't see tackles with 32 inch arms. They're usually 33 to 35 inch arms. Right. You know, we even talked about the Northern Iowa Spencer Brown earlier who has 34 inch arms. Um, you know, the Georgia Cleveland, um, Ben Cleveland, 33 inch arms. So, you know, these guys have three to four inches on you. And and now you're trying, you know, you're trying to combat that. It's going to take incredible hand violence to knock those, knock those levers down and then, you know, and then get around them. It's just a lot of work and, and the advantage is there for the offense with those long arms. A lot of levers. I like that. A lot of levers. Uh, <laughs> I will say, I will say the one good thing about Wyatt Huber, he's going to go to the, well, there's not a combine. He's going to go to his pro day. And he's going to put up like a million reps on the bench because he's got those short arms, baby. He's going to and knock again, them out. <laughs> fullback, fullback, baby. That's perfect for the fullback. <laughs> got to see what happens with Wyatt Huber. I do like his film, though, man. It's a lot of fun. We'll see if it translates, though. Probably not. Kentucky center, Drake Jackson, another guy I knew was going to measure in small. 601. Uh, sorry, six foot one and seven eight, six zero one seven, two hundred ninety pounds, only seventy seven and four eighth. Um, sorry, seventy seven and four eighth inch wingspan, thirty one and one eighth inch arms. He's a shorter guy, but the number that popped out to me, and this was a weird one. I I never really talked about this, with David. So I wanted to put this out on you. Eight and four eighth inch hands, so eight and a half inch hands as a center. Those are tiny hands. For a young man that is snapping all the time does that affect you like are you thinking that like is that bad is that like not a big deal like i don't i've never talked about that before like the hand size for a center snapping the football you know yeah, eight and a half inch hands are are tiny and again i'm a five foot four guy but my handy i measures out nine even so this guy's hands even shorter smaller than mine by a half inch um so and he's a lot taller than i am and and that's that's a small hand like any way about it, it it was one of the measurements that popped out today because that is a small a small hand and for a center you think about you know people coming in on wet you know having to snap a wet ball or um snowy icy slick ball you don't want that that small you know you can use gloves you can do things to combat it um but it, you know it is a, it's one that i think a lot of people will take a look at they'll look back in his career this is something that might not be solved this week for him but it'll cause people to go back offensive line coaches and scouts to go back in his career to watch his snaps and see how many of them floated on him got away from him uh, you know, and, and they'll be like, with those small hands, these are indicators that this might happen. So let me go back and see if it has happened in his career. Let's grind that film out and, you know, and do it that way. So, you know, again, it, it's a, these measurements lead to questions. Those questions either can be solved and answered this week in, in, in his play, or you have to go back and do more film work. I think this is an indicator. They have to really go watch some film on him to make sure that what, what, they're seeing in measurements don't affect his ability to snap the ball. Yep. Yep. And I, I'm thinking bad weather games too. Like that popped in my head. Like that's yeah, exactly. Some, yep. some bad moments. Want to shout out to everybody real quick. That's in the chat. We were getting through a couple more measurements here and then we're going to try to get to a couple questions. Uh, Rick said, Marshawn also a head coach in the fan control football league. That's awesome. Rick, thank you for popping that, that little note there from our interview with Josh Johnson earlier in the show. Uh, Mike helped us out with the Logan Thomas was the reference that you were trying to make. And then we have 
Cookie by Nature asked, uh, have we started the Q&A? So we're going to get some questions at the end. If you have questions that you want to throw in during this little um, segment that we're doing now, though, please feel free to throw in at any time. We'll try to answer a couple questions as we can. We appreciate you all so much. We're an hour in, and we have like 30 people here right now in the live. <laughs> so we, we appreciate you sticking out with us because you know me and David talk. Well, David talks a lot. I just kind of listen. <laughs> yes. Next person. <laughs> um, guy, I'm a big fan of David. I'm telling you, I talked to the pro liaison from Boston College before the year. Didn't know who Hunter Long was, tight end for Boston College. And he's like, we went through all the offensive linemen they have, you know, talented football players. And then we're like, anybody we should keep an eye on. It's me and Rick talking to him, right, for draft NFL Draft Bible. And they're like, oh, yeah, Hunter Long, tight end. It's going to be a first-round pick when he comes out. I'm like, huh, okay. Obviously, you know, you're a little biased, pro liaison. It's cool, though. I dig it, man. So he came in here, had a dynamic season, obviously. Uh, All-American by some some accounts, was an all-ACC first-teamer, absolutely dominant football player this year. Came in, six foot five, uh, six foot five and one-eighths, 254 pounds, checking boxes, 33 and six-eighth-inch arms, and an 83-inch wingspan. So, David, while th- why this excites me so much, this guy is a we ask about we talk about how guys win and how it translates. My dude, Hunter Long, he wins in the air. And, hey, what does he have? Catch radius, baby. Catch radius. He can win above the rim. That is his game. And what he has, arm length, height, size, that translates to how he wins will be successful translating to the NFL. And also those that 30-inch, those 30 or 83-inch, sorry, uh, wingspan, like you said, is catch radius. But also that indicates a pretty big back. So, yeah. you know, people will have to fight through him. And, and like I used to call it, it's a box out technique when you get down by the goal line. Something that obviously Gronkowski was great at was using oh, yeah. his width to make it where a, a safety would have to get through him to get to the ball. So, you know, that often causes PIs, gets you a quick first down and more cracks at the goal line, stuff like that. So when I saw that, and correlated it to his his arm length. I'm like, wow, this guy's probably a pretty thick guy, and it'll you know with his box out box out technique and a rebounding ability down in the red zone or even on a third down, it makes him a very viable target for quarterbacks and and um, you know something that'd be really cool to watch him. And again, this week we'll see how he does with these top notch quarterbacks and these top notch uh, safeties and linebackers down at the Senior Bowl. How he uses these uh, traits, these physical traits, to win um, in one on ones and the seven on seven and the skellies and stuff down there. Uh, you know, the only box I wish he had a little bit bigger hand. Nine and three yeah. fourths hands is not small, but again, if he if he would have reached that ten or that ten and one eighth mark there then all those boxes would be positive, positive, positives, you know? Nope, absolutely. Yep, it would have added definitely. I'm still impressed by the measurement overall. And one guy that you said, like, hey, how are these tight ends going to match up to these safeties? I'll give you a safety right now, okay? This is like when you talk about the ability to negate a tight end. Like, who are you putting on Travis Kelsey one-on-one? Who are you putting on George Kittle? Well, it might be Mr. Hampson Dean. From Florida State, who measured in at six foot three and one eighth. So he is a long dude, 213 pounds. I think his weight's a little down from what he actually played at. He played around 220, to my understanding. 86, uh, sorry, 82 and six eighth inch wingspan, 34 and two eighth inch arms, and 10 foot, a 10 foot, I almost said 10 inch hands, 10 inch hands. 
So this guy is a super huge safety. This is a long dude. This is the guy for me, David. Like, again, matchups, creating matchups. I'm trying to put this dude on some tight ends, and I am. that's my negator. That's the guy that t- tries to take the Travis Kelsey, although that never happens, but tries to slow them down or take them out of the football game. Like, that's that type of player for me. Well, yeah, this guy's got the high arm length, hands, I mean, wingspan, everything you're looking for. And even at even at 213 pounds, he's got plenty of girth to match up with a guy. You know, um, he's not going to get pushed off his spot easily. You know, you're not talking about 185-pound safety here. This is two, 213, 215. I mean, that's a, you know, sizable, sizable guy. And his height and his ability to reach a again, we just talked about the Boston College tight end having thirty-three and uh three-fourths arm. Well, here's the guy who has thirty-four and a half inch arms. So even when they're going up for those jump balls, those contested balls in the end zone and stuff, you got a guy here now that can go up just as high, just as eloquently and and slap it out of there and uh, you know, knock it down and in and be a guy who can defend those jump balls in those situations. So I think your comparison was perfect right there about being a negator. So he could go right in and, you know, obviously combat those big tight ends, taller receivers with his size. He matches up perfectly with them. And to put it into perspective, we said, Hey, Spencer Brown's tall. He checked the box, 34 inch arms. That is your prototype offensive tackle. 34 plus is, is awesome stuff, right? Like even 33 and some change is good enough, but 34 plus is awesome. My man has longer arms than Spencer Brown. And my man also has three eighth inch longer wingspan than Spencer Brown, a six foot eight offensive tackle to put that into perspective. This dude, that is some length, man. So yeah, this is some rare length. This is some rare length for a safety. Yep, absolutely. Rare length is the best way to put it. Shout out to Rick. He says, look forward to DT Senior Bowl coverage on Sports Illustrates, Sports Illustrated Giant Country this week. So David, I will be with Patricia this week, uh, to covering yeah. Senior Bowl information and uh, recapping all the uh, all the week's action from practices, measurables, and things on uh, Sports Illustrated's own Giants Country this week. So thank you, Rick. That is a plug. And Patricia, I look forward to uh, sitting and talking with you again some more this week on that. We did our first preview show, came out Monday, came out yesterday, and then uh, we've just been waiting for the film to come in so we can digest it and get on and do another one either today or tomorrow morning. Yep, and we, we I, I need to take a listen. I haven't taken a listen to, but I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, hearing some of David's terrible takes during the week. Well, it just gets me through a week. So can't wait for that. Thank you, Rick, obviously, for taking some time. We appreciate it. Staying with Florida State here. Staying with Florida State. See, this is how you stop you from coming back at me because I keep talking so you can't interrupt me. Well, Florida, it's the only time you'll get Florida any kind of credit because you hate Florida. You hate Florida schools anyway. So, oh, well, I mean, did you see Florida State play football this year? It's kind of easy to hate. Um, six foot five, Janarius Robinson, six foot five, even defensive end, 266 pounds, 87 inch wingspan, 35 and six eighth inch arms, and 11 inch hands. Now, David, I saw this measurement. I wasn't super surprised because when you watch my man on film, like he's one of those guys that they're, you know, his, his hands are below his, below his knees, you know, like he's one of those dudes hanging by his side. Like you see it. He's an impressive looking player. I will say this, not to discount what the great measurements that he had on the football field, not quite as impressive. <laughs> Just leave it at that. So. 
Yeah, well, again, I, I watched a little bit of Florida State this year. I watched more Florida and more of Miami games. Those were two teams that I really fell interested in this season and watch a lot of their 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 game film, as you know. Um, you don't like de- you don't like defense. David Turner does not like defense here on the Mavs Sports Take. Yeah, okay. Anybody who follows me knows better and knows that this guy is a perpetual and habitual liar. But <laughs> uh, you know, take Friday Night Scout School and we'll talk about defensive ends and how fast I got on all of that. But that being said, the uh, you know this this you want to talk about rare ideal measurables. I mean. You're looking at a guy who's 6'5", almost 270, 87 in, or 80 inch, uh, 87 inch arms or wingspan, uh, thir- almost 36 inch arms and 11 hand. I mean, these are all rare. We just talked about how two guys ago, you know, the tight end checked, you know, four of the five boxes. Well, this guy checks every box uh, across the and, and not only like just checks it, but he gets a pluses across the board. So. You know, this is a guy, you know, again, you don't want you hope that he translates to the field as good as he looks. According to Ryan, he doesn't. We'll see this week because here's a situation where, again, a guy like this, if he goes out and has a good senior bowl week and then if there was a combine or if Florida State is going to have a pro day for their players, then you would have a situation where he can look good athletically in drills, have a good senior bowl week. And it gives him a chance to rise his stock up the draft boards. Some play, uh, some defensive end coaches would be like, and see the de- uh, defensive coordinators would be like, yeah, this is a guy I could work with. He's got a lot of raw material here. Let's 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 put him in our scheme, and in our scheme, he'll look better. You know. Yep. I mean, he looks the part. I'm sure he's going to be test pretty well in a straight line. My man is just stiff. So yeah, just putting that out there. Yeah, no, it's like I said, it's a situation where it's going to be a lot of fun to see him perform this week and over the this draft cycle. And again, his opportunity is going to be a lot less than other because of this COVID uh, shortened draft cycle. So before we start the show, last minute, David threw someone onto the sheet. So David, let, let's let's let you intro the last guy we want to talk about before we hit a couple questions here. Last guy, sure. This Georgia tight end Trey McKinney. I mean, you want to talk about checking boxes. I think as a tight end, this kid's six foot four, 247 pounds, 32 and a fourth arm and 11 hand. You know, when I saw that 11 hand for a tight end, like we just talked about your guy from Boston College, this is a guy who, again, has these big mitts catching a ball in contested situations, very strong hands. He'll be able to uh, clutch onto it. And even when safeties are on top of him and trying to bat it away, he'll be able to clutch onto it, squeeze the ball and make those tough catches. I really, I saw him in, you know, uh, some film this, this week, this, uh, this year, and it was able to, uh, sit and watch him a little bit. And I was like, wow, I wonder what he's going to measure out at. And then when I saw his measurements today, I was like, you know, this is a kid that I, I I think he has an arrow up for me with his measurements and how he played it at Georgia. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he looks against these other players this week at the senior bowl. Yeah. And Trey McKinney is a really interesting player because he was actually a, uh, a transfer this past year from Florida state to Georgia very talented kid, athletic. Obviously, has some measurables there to kind of to work with. He's been really underutilized through most of his career, so I think that this All Star opportunity is going to be big for him to see what maybe the upside is, what the ceiling is for a player like this, and see how much more we can get out of it. Because obviously, judging by some of these numbers, 
he has the toolbox to work with. He's a nice athlete. He he has effort as a blocker. He just has not been utilized much, no volume as a pass catcher. So look forward to seeing what Trey McKinney does down the senior ball. Wanted to answer maybe just one or two questions before we get out of here. So, uh, David, we had somebody, Mark Jarvis, shout out to Mark Jarvis at What's On Draft NFL, asked, what are the biggest differences in evaluating linebackers for the NFL compared to the CFL? Like, what are the, some different some of the differences in how you evaluate them? So, I would, ima- I, would ima- I would imagine, not sorry, not to cut you off. I would imagine that the size would not be quite as big of a thing for CFL because we want a little rangier with the larger field. Am I right? Going in the right spot there. Well, it depends on what it, it's going to depend on what linebacker position. So for certain, for the middle linebacker, you can have a guy who's a little bit shorter and play between the tackles, read, react and, and fill holes and be your like kind of run defending linebacker. And then your will and your outside linebackers have to be able to cover, have to be rangy, have to be able to, you know, because the field is longer, uh, wider and longer, uh, and you have so many guys in motion and everything, they have to be able to cover ground quickly in order to defend uh, a lot of passing. It's only a three-down league, so, you know, first downs have to come after, you know, down two or you're punting on third down. So there's just a lot of different differences there. So for, for, if you're looking at, you know, this is a situation where a in the league, an outside linebacker might look more like a, a safety, you know, an added DB, a safety. So, you know, a little bit taller, like a six foot one DB that can play in the box, but also cover your, your will linebacker, might be a 5'11", really fast, rangy guy. And then your middle linebacker might be a six-foot, you know, 230-pound, you know, kind of player. So in the NFL, the middle linebacker for for the CFL's middle linebacker, Mike, might translate to a will linebacker in the NFL. The, The will linebacker from the CFL might translate better to you know, a uh, safety or some kind of purely special teams player, I hate to say it for the NFL. And then your, your outside linebacker would be a safety style in the NFL. So, you know, it's just kind of a different, different traits because of the field size, because of the kind of way they play football, because of all the motions and the way the games play, the little nuances translate each position a little different. Yep, absolutely. Great question there, Mark. Just kind of a little insight there into someone that's been across a couple leagues. So uh, a couple <laughs> questions want to bang out real quick and then maybe end with one more. Uh, Charles Stoller asks, I was watching some Ian Book film. I'm in, I cover Notre Dame for Locked On Podcast Network, so let's go with this one. i only seen bits and pieces from him now. Uh, what am I watching more? Am I getting Case Keenum vibes? What do you think? Um, so I'll say this, Charles. If you want a more in-depth Ian Book breakdown as a, as a uh, prospect, I would check out today's podcast. Again, Locked On Irish on the Locked On Podcast Network. I will say I applaud Ian Book for everything that he did during his career at Notre Dame. 30 wins as a starting quarterback. Was an excellent college quarterback. Absolutely. Did some good stuff. He's a good improviser. He's a tough kid. He's not an NFL quarterback. I don't think he's going to last. Um, giving him a case, Keenum – you know, designation is saying that he might be able to start in some spot duties. I don't think that's him. 
I think maybe he would resemble more of a Trace McSorley that came out of Penn State a couple years ago or a Shea Patterson that came out of Michigan. I just don't I think I think that his traits are not great. I don't think that he has a ton of upside. I think his floor isn't even as high as some people act like it is, just because I think there's some extreme limitations. So out on Ian Book. Sorry. I, I yeah. apologize to all Notre Dame fans. I know, but Ian, if I if I remember correctly, I'm looking through this sheet really quick. Um, six foot even. Six yeah, foot even. He, he was yep. only six foot even, but I was looking for the rest of his measurables. It was like uh, six. It was like six foot around two ten. He had he his nine and six eighth inch hands or something like that somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. So oh, you know, here it is. Yeah. So he's six foot even, two hundred and ten pounds, thirty one and. Uh, fourth arm and nine and seven eighths hand. So he's got the, the hand size and arm length isn't terrible, but that six foot even, I mean, you're in 210, you're looking at like Drew Brees type measurements here. And again, the the Drew Brees numbers were, are not coming with him. The Drew Brees skill set is not coming with him. So it's going to be very hard. I think there'd be some CFL teams that might put this guy on Absolutely. their nag list uh, yep. because, you know, he can run with the ball in his hands. He can, he can sling it a little bit. Um, but again, he's a guy that be, I was surprised he was six foot. I really thought he was going to measure in around six one. Um, just from watching him at Notre Dame and standing next to him to the other players, I thought he'd be a six and make it to the six one mark. So when he was six foot even, that that surprised me a little bit in today's measurements. Yeah, and I mean Notre Dame fans came at me because I actually said that a few weeks ago, David. I said he's a CFL quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that. People take that like so much disrespect. Like it's where Jeff Garcia, you know, it's where Jeff Garcia started. Warren Moon played up there. Steve Young. I mean, so many players played up, you know, in different alternative leagues. You know, even the head coaching candidate for the, you know, Houston Texans, uh, Josh McCown, played in the U- U- UFL with for us at the Hartford Colonials. So, you know, <laughs> it's it, players take different paths, but they still get they're still successful. Absolutely. And, and hey, how many professional quarterbacks are there? So to call yourself one is a big accomplishment. There's nothing wrong with being a CFL kid. That's just I just that's what I think he is. And there's nothing wrong with that. So nope, nothing wrong at all. So people stop getting panties in a bunch. All right. It'll be OK. <laughs> Last question. Uh, Georgia Sports Hospitality Media asked me a question. He said, what's your view on reaches, especially if you're talking a if you're taking a top 15 player? And I asked for them to be a little more specific, they said most people say anything but a quarterback would be a reach at the fourth pick. Say the Falcons take someone like Parsons or Satan. What's your view on teams taking players like that, even though they don't fit other values? So they're talking about positional value, David. Um, so it's a loaded question. I will say there's different philosophies. I'm always in favor of taking the best player possible. But at the end of the day, like sometimes you're going to take a quarterback in the top 10 that is not necessarily on a raw board, the 10th best player in the draft, right? But when you take into account how important that position is, then it's worth being a top 10 pick. So I don't have any issue with it. Yeah, you know, again, there's overdrafting and then there's, you know, positional drafting. We did a whole class on valuing draft picks and stuff uh, on Friday Night Scout School. Ryan and I did this a few weeks ago. And one thing that I, you know, we try to teach everybody in the class was that, you know, if you, if you're, if you're in a situation where, it's a very light draft class at a certain position, whether that's quarterback, pass rusher, or whatever. You and the the gap between 
players is huge and you need to address that going forward, you might have to take that position around higher because once if you if you lose that one player that you feel is is close to that mark, but then if you don't get him, the bottom falls out of that 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 position where the next guy is like down in the fifth round, you know, um, now, right. now you're saying, well, we're going to either take a fifth round pick on this guy, or we're going to take a flyer at this guy, you know, in this, in this, in this realm. And I know I'm making dramatic gaps here, but it's true. Sometimes they do fall out that way where you don't have any third round corners or you don't have any really good fourth round pass rushers. So you're in the third round and you're at the top end of it, but all your pass rushers left are, bottom end of the third round so you're like man i don't want to waste this 10th overall pick in the third round on the pass rusher but if i don't the next best guys in the fifth round and you know because these three guys aren't going to make it to the fifth round or even the fourth round by our pick in the fourth round so those are the conversations going on in the room about where and how and why to take a guy Absolutely. Yep. And there's a lot of layers to it. I feel like we could do a podcast just on that and cite some examples. Maybe we'll do that in the future. Yeah. We want to wrap this show up though and say thank you to everybody that stuck with us this whole time. This was a fun show. I had a lot of, this was a real joy to do. We had Josh Johnson on quarterback, professional quarterback who's been across a few different leagues, been in the NFL for a long time now on the beginning of the show to talk to us about his gaming league that he is one of the founders of so if you missed that in the beginning if you're live with us right now i would go back again on any podcast platform and take a listen to that a lot of fun to go through some of these measurables from the 2021 Reese senior bowl that we were blessed with this morning being able to make some sense of it and really get ready for an awesome week down in mobile to be able to just watch and see what transpires and how these young men take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them of course i am ryan roberts david turner we want to thank you all so much. If you're watching with us on Twitch, Twitter, or YouTube, thank you so much for joining along. Thank the questions. Sorry we couldn't get to every mailbag question tonight, but we try to hit on a couple there at the end. Appreciate you all every week for getting us some mailbag questions. One thing that I need to plea with you, not plea, that sounds desperate. I don't want to sound mm. desperate. I would like to ask for you on Apple Podcasts or on Twitter, wherever you want to do, throw us a review. Say Brian and David are the best duo in podcast history. We love it. Give us a five-star review. We would absolutely love it. We appreciate you so much following us on all social media. We have Mav underscore sports for David, is, uh, of course, at MavericksSportsConsulting.com. NFL Draft Bible is an awesome resource that you should take a, li- uh, take a look at, especially during Senior Bowl week. I am at Rise and Draft on Twitter. I'm going to let David turn and get the final, final word, man. My outro is almost done, David. What do we want to leave the people with? I just want to say thank you to everybody and the support. Obviously, week in and week out has been phenomenal. And then, you know, right now with where we're at uh, as as a country, as a society, as as a as a people, let's just uh, you know, my whole thing is let's start opening up our ears, listening more. Um, silence and listen are same same letters just in different order and there's a reason for that guys and gals so you know pay attention listen to more people don't try to talk over them don't try to talk through them like ryan does all the time to me here on the podcast but rather you know show your patience and your persistence and your personality to be um someone that really wants to learn from each other and not not just dictate it all the time so for me i just want to leave everybody with that message and say thank you again for a great show ryan josh thank you for coming on and everybody who made this show possible i appreciate you all yep david had to get a late dig there but again 
follow us. I can barely get a word in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have a hard time getting words in. All right. So give us a sh- give us a share. Give us a review. Appreciate the ratings. Follow us again on Twitter and all social medias at Rise and Draft at Mav underscore sports. This is Mav Sports Take, episode 26. See you all again, same time next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick.sportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.